1: This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans, for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club.
2: Hello and welcome to this week's View from the Gladys Street podcast. I'm your host, Ian Kroll, and this is the fan show on the Royal Blue podcast channel. Everton lost back-to-back Premier League matches for the first time under Carlo Angelotti after being beaten 2-1 by Newcastle on Sunday. The Blues were looking for a quick bounce back after their loss to Southampton, however it wasn't to be, as a second-half double from Callum Wilson was enough to secure the win for Steve Bruce's side. With me to talk about the monstrosity that was Sunday afternoon, we have Rob Astle. How are you, Rob? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Just uh, getting to grips now with this, well, I know it's not till Thursday, but the second national lockdown in in England, so... Uh, We've obviously all got that to look forward to. Um, returning to the podcast after a long hiatus, we have John Howard. How are you, John? You all right?
1: Very well, thanks, guys.
2: Evening. And we also have the return of Matthew Barry, who joins us from Cardiff. That's right, Matthew, isn't it? Cardiff. That's it. Yeah. Evening. How are you? you okay. You are already yeah. in a second national or Wales lockdown, so how are you coping? Yeah.
0: Yeah, we're we're okay getting through it. But uh, I was off on holidays last week, so back to work this week. So uh, we've got a We're in it now till the ninth, um, and then we'll have a new set of rules, no doubt, which will probably mirror what what you guys are just about to go into. Sadly.
2: Well, let's hope and can pick up some form, so we've got something to look forward to over the next couple of weeks, at least throughout November. Um, might as well get straight into it then, lads. Um, the first point with regards to. The newcastle game i wanted to talk about the team selection and my initial thoughts were first of all one that i was gutted for anthony gordon that he wasn't given an opportunity um, and also that it was a bit of a strange team selection in the fact that it was very central midfield heavy with a lack of width um, on offer it was obviously glaringly obvious so matthew let's let's start with you um when you when you first saw that team um what, what did you what did you make of it uh i
1: was
0: just confused really because i i didn't really understand what sort of uh, formation we were we were going to play um i thought it was going to be a bit four, th- 4 3 2 1 when when you looked at the the actual the, the five central midfielders um who were playing but i then uh, I, I mentioned to Robin, rob and rob said you thought the Delft was going to drop in, into the into a back three, so we, we play with wing backs, but I, I I just thought it was very, very defensive minded and I, I thought that perhaps he was going to be happy to, to take a point.
2: I mean, John, as Matthew just alluded to there, it, it was very difficult to see what type of formation we were playing and how we were, you know, going to be able to capitalise from, from the team that we played. It was very congested in the middle of the park and to a point where we were going to have to be so pre- precise in our play, in our passing, to get through that Newcastle defence in midfield, weren't we? And it obviously didn't It didn't pay off and didn't work.
1: Exactly that, Ian. I mean, I looked at the side and, and I was trying to piece it together. And I've been thinking for a while with, with Richarlison missing, perhaps maybe a diamond formation could be employed. But then I looked at it. and. I could I could kind of understand why Delph was in because I thought with the lads you know playing his first Premier League game, twenty years of age, covering up left back. But for me, what baffled me was, was was Gomez and Sigurdsson. I don't think they knew where they were meant to be, where they wanted to be. And I just I was sitting there thinking. And early on, I thought to myself, it's either going to be a dodgy decision or a set piece that's going to decide this. And, and it proved to be, in my opinion, the former, sadly in their favour. Uh, I, I just don't, didn't see any width. And I mean, I, I fully trust and made up his widows. But as Anthony Gordon maybe bashed into his car when he's been reversing out of Finch Farm? Because to me, if ever there was a game that Gordon could have illuminated, you know, even off Calvert Lewin, particularly with the, the midfield protection he'd have had, surely that was it. I mean, Southampton, I think, are pretty decent, but no disrespect to Newcastle. I haven't seen much from them, maybe bar to the maximum. They're not, they're not a good team. They're not a good team. And we allowed them to, to grow in confidence during that game. You know, and that's, that's kind of what sort of foxed me. Is he playing for a point? Is he trying to sort of nullify? I, I, I just didn't understand that. And sadly, I think the, the confusion transferred to a lot of the team too.
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and Rob, to be fair, what I thought was what made it even more strange with the formation that he played, that... Our most attacking goal threat in Cabot Lewin. in this season, he scored most of his goals um, from the six-yard box. So, you know, that usually comes in the form of crosses or balls into the box. And there was literally none of that because we were unable to play that style of play. It was all direct through the middle. Yeah, there was a few occasions when he tried
3: to get, get Nkunku and, um, and Kenny. And it just seems to get nullified too quickly. And uh, it happened last week against Southampton. It, if there's no creativity for Calvert lewin like you said, if there's not going into that six-yard box, he's almost ineffective. There's no point, point in being on the pitch. Um, the whole formation was just—I don't know. I think he's—I think he's Ancelotti's might have been just had to be a little bit too clever with it, rather than. I don't think I don't think he goes into games to take points. That's very Sam Allardyce. That I think. We should have enough there to beat Newcastle, but I think he's just tried to be too clever and do it a different way and sort of like outfox him a little bit and it just hasn't worked. That's all. Um and it's obviously it's it's gone and isolated Carver Lewin and we've not been able to get balls into the box like we have been doing.
2: I mean, let, let's move on then from um the team selection. I mean, still in in relation to the team selection, because it was the the big news before before kickoff that Jordan Pickford was dropped. Carlos said he was rested and Robin Olsen um, come in. Matthew, so, you know, we know the issues surrounding Pickford uh, with regards to the issues that he's faced over the past um, couple of weeks. But Angelotti kind of suggested that he was being rested, that he would be back in for the United game. Um, what did you make of those comments initially?
0: Um, I, I think he sort of... Backed himself into a corner a little bit because if, if Olsen had a, had a really good game, which you know he, he he did play well, then he's already said that Pickford's coming back in now. So if if he picks Olsen for the United game, then you know people will ask, well, why did you say that that Pickford was going to come back in? And then it opens up a, a whole different line of questioning. I, I think that if he just could have said, well, I'm, we're resting Pickford for you know the things that are going on we're going to give Olsen minutes, like, like he said, then if Olsen had a really good game, we can leave him in for United. But on, on the other hand, it, it, it shows that he is willing to drop Pickford as well. So, you know, I, I think that if he when he comes back in now against United, he, he is going to have to, to play well because he knows that he, he can be taken out of the side now. Whereas if if we still have Virginia or, or Stecklenburg were still at the club, it, it, that, that wouldn't happen.
2: Do you think that's what he's done it for though? Do you think he's he's kind of putting, although, although taking all the limelight, he's he's putting a little bit of pressure on him to say, well, okay, I've got a a backup goalkeeper who we obviously haven't seen much, but Angelo, he thinks
0: he's more than capable. Oh, absolutely, you look at the the evidence of the game on 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 Sunday. You know, there's nothing he can do with a penalty, but when crosses came into the box, he claimed them when they had corners, then he was coming out for them. Uh, there was one. I think one corner late in the second or so one cross came in late in the second half and he'd literally come off his line around fifteen yards past the penalty spot to, to come and take it and it, it, as a centre half, you know we, we haven't had that for, for oh as centre half we haven't seen that for a long, long time with us. You no know, certainly before Pickford. So I I, th- I think that he he he's laid it on the line to Pickford now I think about when he comes in he has to perform otherwise he he'll he'll be dropped.
2: I mean, John Matthews kind of touched on the the next point that I was going to make on on Pickford and Angelotti. Um, Carlo kind of has already, um, or he's almost put pressure on himself, hasn't he, by saying those comments about Pickford and the fact that, okay, he's dropped, but he's, he's going back in for the United game because if he does go back in for the United game, which we fully expect him to do now, and he has a nightmare, then that's surely on the manager, especially if it costs us points.
1: Yeah, yeah, without doubt. Uh, I think you said it before. I think if you just turned around and said, look, Jordan Pickford's not in the right frame of mind, he's not in the right headspace. We're putting uh, Olsen in, you know, to give Jordan Pickford a bit of a break. I think, you know, I think people would have accepted that. I think people would have think, Yeah, yeah, good move. But as you say, he then said, right, Jordan Pickford is, you know, is back in for the United game. Is there now the pressure on Jordan Pickford even greater uh, I fear it could be. And Jordan Pickford, while I believe is a good stopper, doesn't exactly have a great track record with pressure, with concentration. I mean, let let's be honest. Going back before all this, you know, the situation with Van Dyke, Let's. I think most Evertonians would have been if Everton didn't have a complete disarray in front of Pickford, albeit the midfield, which he had to rectify. You know, if, if Everton's team was a little bit more where Ancelotti wanted it, I think Pickford would have been replaced. I think the fact that he's gone out, and, you know, he needed, let's be honest, he didn't need one or two, he needed a new midfield and he went out and got it. He needed a couple of other positions addressed and he still needs to address a couple of positions. I think if that had been a little bit further on, I think Pickford would have been one of the big casualties of the Ancelotti reign. I, I don't fully believe Ancelotti's truly behind Pickford. I think he makes far too many mistakes for him where Ancelotti wants his teams to be. And now, as you said, I think he, he Jordan Pickford either we either need to go out and storm United and do them 4 0 like we've done the past, you know, like we did, we have done the past couple of seasons, or Pickford need to have that game of his life because it literally is kind of written all the headlines.
2: I mean, yeah, absolutely agree. And Rob, just just two questions really. What was it the right decision to drop Pickford for that, that game against Newcastle? And two, do you think just touching on uh, John's point there? Do you think Angelotti has marked his card now? Is this a bit of a psychological thing where it's it's just a, a long road now for Pickford back at Everton's number one spot? See, see, my my opinion on the whole Pickford thing yesterday was...
3: I think we've got to read between the lines on it. I think the vilification he's been getting in the media completely unnecessarily has... Probably weighed heavy on him, and it's 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 balanced as a professional to professional. At the end of the day, he's put he's put someone out for the season. It doesn't matter who it is; he's put someone out for the season, whether he meant to or not. Again, he's, he that's what that's what's happened, and I think the the pressure has gotten to him probably a little bit, and he's probably had the way with Ancelotti. or Ancelotti's had the way with him and said, "Look, mate, you're out this week. Take it easy. We'll stick the new lad in." But at the same time, though, he's
1: he's.
3: He's sort of like he's using it to, to Ancelotti's using it to his advantage. Going well, I'm putting pressure on him now to come back and perform. You know, Pickford, we, you know, I totally agree with what John says. I think Pickford, I think his time at Everton probably, if we did not, didn't need to buy an entire new midfield, they'd probably say his time was up at the club. But it's not, unfortunately. And we've got to stick with him and we've got to, you know, so if it gives him a kick off the backside, this thing, great. Was it the right decision? Yeah, it probably was. I probably wouldn't have played them, and I, I certainly would. If crowds were allowed into the games as well, I certainly wouldn't have allowed them to play at, at St James's Park either. He's lost his head there a couple of times now, um, so I'd probably I, I've got no problems with the um, with the decision from Ancelotti. Um, but I do think it's more. It was more to protect Jordan than it was to give him a kick up the backside.
2: I mean, may, maybe to protect them, but do you think as well because his form, let's face it, wasn't great. Um, Rob, before the Van Dyke incident, and I, I think that you know, all this Van Dyke stuff, you know, should be really irrelevant. I know he's taken a lot of a slack in the media and, um, you know, the issues with regarding supposed bodyguards of, of his family and stuff like that. But do you think Angelotti has kind of used this game as a, um, well, okay, Pickford's take him out the limelight, and two, let's see what, um, Robin Olsen actually looks like in the flesh in a Premier League game? Um, you know, you could probably say against the team that he probably thought we would win against in in Newcastle.
3: Yeah, I, like I said, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that. I think it's a mix of mix of both. I, I think he, he's obviously he's brought this awesome lad in for for a reason. He's not put him there to just sit on the bench. He's brought him in to put pressure on him. But I do think, I do think but you've got to look both sides of it here. And Ancelotti's not the kind of fella who will come out and tell you the truth like that. You know what I mean? We all thought James Rodriguez wasn't going to play the other weekend and all of a sudden he starts. He's not the kind of manager who will air his dirty laundry out in public, basically. So I think that's another thing to look at. We don't really know what's going on behind closed doors, but I'd say it's probably a mix of both rather than him taking, rather than using it just to drop Pickford.
2: Okay, well... I mean, Matthew, you could tell from the first opening minutes that this was going to be an absolutely dreadful, dull affair. Um, <laughs> that's what I thought anyway. I remember texting a few people just saying this is absolutely boring. Um, something which definitely haven't been this season. We've, we've been entertaining, uh, if anything, whether it's scoring goals or conceding goals. So, uh, nothing happened at all, really, up until the penalty. So,
0: what was your opinion? Penalty or no penalty? Uh, absolutely not a penalty. Not, <laughs> no way in a million years, no way. And and, and I'll, I'll tell you the reasons why. Because there's, there's loads of people who sort of you look at Twitter. Loads of people say yes it was, no it wasn't. But <clears throat> I understand that there's contact in the box. But if the referee looks five yards to his left, there's players jostling each other all over the place. So that that's contact. But the the exaggeration of the dive by Wilson is why for me it shouldn't be a penalty because if he booted him up in the air and I mean, you know, just literally cleaned him out, then he's going to go down like the way he did. But he touched him and I mean, brushed his ankle and that clown Dermot Gallagher on the TV this morning said his knee went into the back of his thigh. Well, if it did, it brushed it because there's no, there's no movement in in Wilson's lower body to, to, to say that it had that type of affected contact So the VAR official should look at it And, and see exactly how the players Reacted to the contact And that's just exaggeration That's a dive
2: I mean, I'm mean, i just going to come to Rob straight away um, And John I'll ask your opinion on it in a minute And I'll give mine as well but I know Rob's got a different opinion To, to Matthew so um, Rob case for argument Even though obviously you are a massive blue You said it was a, you did think it was a, a penalty if I, if that's Dominic
3: Calvert-Lewin, I'm screaming for a penalty there. That's that's the way I'm looking at it. Goma Gomez was foolish enough to to get himself in that situation. It was lazy from him to kick out like that when he was nowhere near the ball. I think I think in this day and age in the Premier League, look, we all know players go down easy. Salah, Kane, two two names there to to you know to mention. Now that you've done it this weekend alone, I, I think. You've kind of got to... It's not great. It was a soft penalty. I won't lie. It, it was soft, but we've got to be a bit more seat wise, I think, in them positions because you are going to get penalties in that in that in that um in that area now, whether we like it or not. So let's be let's be smarter about it and don't put a, don't put ourselves in them positions. I personally thought I would I would have been screaming for a penalty if that was Calvert Lewin going down there. John, what
2: what are you saying?
1: I think Rob makes very, very good points. I do think it has to be street wise. And I think it's a, it's just sadly the way football's gone, but I do have to agree more with Matthew. I don't think it was a penalty. And I almost think Steve Bruce, who, who's not to be honest, is not exactly known for being, you know, he's quick enough to sound off when he feels there's an injustice done against him. We got away with one there. Callum Wilson's virtually said, oh, I was a bit clever that he kind of almost dives in the way. And, and you know, to me, if, I don't know, if a boxer's on a punch bag and you walk in the way of his fist and he you catching it. I don't really think he, you know what I mean? I, I know there's contact, but I just don't see how it's a penalty. But then again, football has changed so dramatically. I mean, I'm going to be quite unpopular amongst most blues. I actually thought, while his diving is completely, you know, over the top and he is a cheat, I actually thought Salah was, I think he's made cut, but I'm looking, I keep looking at Gomez and, yeah, Totally and utterly lazy, nonchalant. I can't be bothered to kick, but I almost think Callum Wilson dives onto him and then goes down. And and I don't know for me, I I know obviously to the left of the law these days it is, but I just I just don't for me it's just no penalty. Of course it goes, DCL does the same thing. I'm like penalty all day. But then I suppose that's the hypocrisy of being a football fan, isn't it?
2: No, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and to be honest, I agree with you, John and Matthew. Um, So Rob is by himself on on this one, unfortunately. (laughs) I I, I just think (laughs) a a lot of the points have already been made, and I'll just go over them. It's a contact sport. Um, You can't, you know, was was the contact enough for? Uh, Callum Wilson to go down from from the contact. Absolutely not. He's a, he's a big enough lad. Um, he's already come out and said some said that, to the media and said that um, I went for the penalty and I, I knew exactly what I was doing. Gomez was he was he lazy? Yeah, he was. But his ball as as I was always firmly on the ball. Um, Josh, you just you wait till we get a soft penalty and on, on Saturday, don't worry. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's exactly <laughs> what <too. laughs> it's exactly what John said, and it but it's changed the game and our heads kind of dropped again, like it did against Southampton. Um I know we had a little little spell in the last ten minutes, but obviously it wasn't good enough. I, I still don't think we deserve to win the game, by the way, regardless of whether it was a penalty or not. So um, frustrating. Absolutely frustrating. Um but as mentioned on last week's show, by the way, um, we can hear a dog in the background, by the way. I think it's, uh, I think it's John's dog. He's gone to, uh, to sort him out. Um, Matthew mentioned on last week's show, and <laughs> yeah. it's obviously Reid, it's ugly head. about that. Um, no, no problem, John. Sorry. Um Mentioned it on last week's show, and it's Read it's ugly head yet again. Everton's growing, defensive problems. Um, you know, I mentioned a couple of stats last week. Um, with regards to conceding goals, obviously we've scored uh, a lot, which is why we are in the prominent position we are in the table. But even with the likes of Allen and Decore protecting uh, the back four, we still look vulnerable, don't we? And can you put your finger
0: on as to to why that is? Um, I I think that the the lack of pace in the in the two centre halves is is an issue. But I think over, over the last two games, certainly. Is that where Hammers hasn't been fit and Richarlison hasn't been playing? Is that the bravery in the team and the attacking intent of the team, which takes quite a lot of the load off the defenders because we're spending so much more time in the opposition half? It, it really has a, a a detrimental effect. So where's for example um, yesterday where we we're playing with five central midfielders? That there's no bravery. There's no intent to attack. There's no there's nobody committing, and you've got Sigurdsson. Standing next to Gomez, and then you got Delf, and it, you know I'm sure that if you look at a heat map of, of yesterday's game, then there's probably nothing down the wings. Everything is so centralized, and we we're not getting the ball out quick enough. There's no out ball, and it's just just completely making sure that you know, we, there's so much pressure on on the defense that we're just we're we're, we're inviting. Other sides to attack us, and it happened against Southampton, and and it happened yesterday.
2: I mean, John, are we are we also missing Holgate? I mean, M- Mina and um, Keane you would say, have done okay. Certainly, Keane I would say, I think he's had a a good start of the season. Jory's still out for, for Mina, uh, for me, really, but obviously Holgate's been out for um, a while now. So, you know, if he comes back in, does does that shore her up? Is is one centre back partnership? Better
1: than another. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you, Dean. and I, I think as well, Matthew, you, you've, you've hit on the points there. I mean, the best form of defence is attack. If you've got a Rodriguez in your side, then you've got the ball. You've got the ball, then your defenders have got. You know, the, the pressure is eased up on them. Richardson's the same. He not only scores great goals, gives great assists. He hounds. You know, he, he's got passion. He's got intensity. He's got bravery. The only thing I've also alluded to, and I looked at it yesterday with Sigurdsson being captain, and I, I don't want to make this a Sigurdsson witch ones, I think Sigurdsson must be the most quietest captain I have ever met. I mean, is he captain in Everton, or is he captain in Spellow Lane Library? He, you know, he doesn't say anything, doesn't do anything. Now, if you watch, I've said for a long time, Everton, you know, probably since the days of your Neville's and your Kales, Everton have been devoid of a lot of leaders. Now, Coleman's our captain, best man for the job. You look through the rest of our team, and who is, you know, your you, you kind, of your bullish Tim KLS kind of player who's going to drive you forward? Genuinely, for me, I, I think after Coleman, the person I look for to be the most mouthiest, the, the one who, who's going to get in the referee's face, have a go, hound, would be Richarlison. And then Holgate. I think with Holgate, you know, for a young lad, he's not, he's not averse to having a go. He's certainly not averse to to the referee. That's wrong. And he's also blessed with blistering pace. So I, I think, I, I like Mina, but I do think he makes a lot of mistakes. I think McKean, you know, is a good, solid defender. He's very quiet. He prefers to be the second man. I think Holgate will be an absolutely huge, monumental return when he's back, not just for what he gives you on the pitch with his athleticism and his ability, but what he kind of gives you with regards to speaking up. You know, for a young lad, he seems to have a very, very old head on his young shoulders. And And to me, if we are going to, Back where go you know, put ourselves back where we, we truly belong, then we are going to need more Mason Holgates with that kind of you know attitude. Okay, the great 80s team, yeah, it had loads of ability, but it was full of leaders. You know, even the 90s when we were absolutely abysmal, it was full of leaders now. I look around and thinking, where are all the leaders? I don't really see them Maybe when Alan You know His grasp of English Gets a bit better And he settles into You know Maybe he's got a bit about him But I don't really see Everton blistering with You know Leaders that I see In a lot of other teams I think Holgate's one of them
2: I mean Rob If we're going to Suggest then That Holgate Is to come back in the team When he's fifth Straight away Who drops out? Mina He's an Ed Case
3: That's, that's <laughs> you, you know you, you, You're right In what you're saying there John You know Keens like the the quiet man, isn't he? You know, he, he just does his job. But Mina just seems to just be like a bit of a loose cannon, and yeah, yeah he would be the one to drop out for me. And plus as well, I think Holgate's got the pace as well, and can play that left that left that left side, um, which is important. Um, but yeah, it's, just, it's, it's it's Mina for me who drops out. But at the same. But at the same time, no, sorry, sorry, Matt, it's nice to have that option because you've got Godfrey, like you Matthew said there, you've got Godfrey and you'll have Mina. Two good centre half, not bad centre halves by any stretch of the imagination, but key I've got you'd easily say Keener and Keen and Holgate are the best, are the two starters for for me.
2: Yeah, um it's gonna be interesting. Certainly competition for places just obviously need to get players back um fully fit and as that as he's mentioned there, Godfrey's definitely uh, one for the future, but hopefully he's going to be able to uh, stamp, stamp as uh, put, a, put a stamp on, uh, on the team as, as soon as possible. But I mean, Matthew, <laughs> we've already talked about the team selection, um, which we obviously all agree was was wrong. Um, but you know, Carlos subs were probably just as bad, really. weren't they? And Bernard came on for Gomez, um, who was in worrying form. So, what what what's going on with Andre Gomez? Is it that, is it purely down to the fact he suffered a really bad injury and He's just not recovered. Has he come back too soon? Um, because this was a player who we were going to build our team around effectively, you know, twelve to eighteen months ago. Yeah.
1: The view from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
2: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile.
3: With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices.
1: The Gladys Street
0: Podcast. Yeah, I I, I do think I do think we rushed him back a a little bit early. Um, But if when when Gomez came to us initially, he didn't play till the October. He came back; the first game was it was the Palace game, which was in the October, and he probably had about seven or eight months of, of, of playing well for us, and then and then he got the injury. So he's he's only had a very short space of time actually being settled in the team, and. I think because the, the the poor quality of what we had um, whilst he was out injured, we, we did rush him backwards uh, to come back in, and I think that we're seeing the we're seeing the problems that that we get when the creativity is out of the side, and we look to him all the time. And, and if you put him in the same side with Sigerson, then it's such a slow, ponderous pace in midfield. And Gomez needs somebody who's got legs next to him, or you know, we had a, a, a dresser, a dresser Garnier who was doing all the ratting around, and it would create space for Gomez. Whereas at the moment, playing aside next to sigerson they're almost, you know, they're almost standing next to each other. Or when a Wobie comes in and plays off the left, you, you've got three of them within probably ten yards of each other. So, you know, when Gomez came, he, he made a great start, and he, he was different. We didn't have anybody like him. Which is probably why he stood out so much. And that's probably why, you know, he he looked he looked such a good player, is because we didn't have a player who could pass the ball like him for what since I, I, I probably can't remember in, in, in the centre or midfield. And you know, we we've we've to him, I think, over over the past um over the past four or five months. And you know, I was listening to someone the other day and, and players when they're out missing for such a long time, they become better. Because you just want them back, you want them back, you want them back, and, and you you when they do come back then and they, they don't have very good games like he's been having or his form's been really, really poor, then you you tend to sort of pile in on them just just that little bit. I, I think that when Kabamin comes back and and Gomez is is will have time to rest him because Allen then becomes the legs in the midfield and Kabamin sits in front of the back four and decori becomes box to box. And 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 I think you'll see a proper working midfield, as opposed to the midfield that we had playing when we came back from lockdown, which was slow, ponderous, lethargic, lazy, and and just no creativity. I mean,
2: Rob, did, um, we had the return of Cenk Tosin as well, another um, sub which <laughs> I think Angel- Angelotti got wrong. So um, I don't, I don't really want to talk about Cenk because um, you know I, I do still believe that he's you know. His future lies away um from Everton Football Club. But it, it does beg the question that Cheng Tosen's coming on to, to save the day and score goals and win Everton points. Didn't we make a mistake in letting Moise Keane leave on low? Uh,
3: to be honest with you, if it's Cheng or Moyes Keane coming on yesterday, I don't think it makes much of a difference. If I'm being perfectly honest with you, it makes it, it would have made no it would have had no um in changing the results at all for me um, letting Moyes Keane go I, I'm a firm believer if 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 someone wants to leave the club they can go because they obviously don't want to be here but obviously that's within reason someone like Moyes Keane who's obviously struggled to settle and things like that he's not it's not worked out for him either, then yeah you know we, we've we let him go and Jen Towson is the next you know the, the next senior striker isn't he who's who's um, who's in the squad I think if, if I think if it's and Hammes and I think if everyone's fit I don't think Jen Tosin gets on that bench if I'm being perfectly honest with you. I think yesterday was literally just a mishmash of everyone anyone who could be anyone who could get there was 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 there kind of thing. Because that's all there was. You know, we what we miss? we had we had Holgate, Coleman, Dean, Richarlison and Hammes there's five players who aren't who, 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 you, who you're missing I don't think Jen tosen comes near close to any anywhere near their quality so I think he's yeah uh, kind of gone got, got off on a tangent there but I think Jen tosen I think he was just there because he had to be yeah
2: hey, John I'm, I'm going to come to you for the next one but you're actually on mute and I don't know how to get you off so are you able to uh, unmute yourself <laughs> I've muted you. There you go.
1: Yeah,
2: I think that's it. There yeah. you go. Um, Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, or You know, I didn't want you to be making a really, really good point and then have to make it all again if you were on mute. So, um, the, the other sub, again, um, I will be ahead of Gordon in the pecking order of teams under, under Carlo Angelotti. I mean, a will be came on the right, didn't he, uh, towards the end. And I said, I don't know what you thought. I thought we did kind of improve a little bit. Um, I know Newcastle were 2 0 up anyway. Uh, probably just trying to soak up a little pressure and sit back. And a I thought, did see quite a bit of the ball, but regardless of that, um, I will does seem to be ahead of Gordon. Um, a Gordon, a player who I thought we were crying out for, by the way, at the weekend, certainly on that left hand side. Um, wh- why is that? I mean, is it, there's got to be a number of reasons. One, namely, the fact that I will cost 35 million pounds, and uh, you know, Gordon's probably um, might not be quite ready fully yet, but we know. He's, uh, he's youthful and got a lot of pace and is not scared to, to you know, ha- have an attacker at, at teams.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think, Ian, you've answered your own question there. I mean, I- I'll be honest with you. I know people say, how can you feel sorry for professional footballers? And but I do feel a bit of sorry for him because at the moment, I don't know whether it's confidence or something, he looks like a lad who's won a raffle to come and have a game of football. I've never seen... A player get the ball under his feet so much, he, he, he tries so hard, but seemingly the more he tries, I don't know, the worse he becomes, the more mistakes he makes. And and, and to me, if you're going to play, it won't be anywhere. It has to be right in the centre, almost like second striker or, or or the number 10 role. And there's a lot of competition there. You know, you had Ticketson on. so. I think the fact that Woby cost the money, he, he went, I mean, did Ancelotti at 2-0 think why well, we didn't get anything from this game and maybe look to shot window him? I don't know. The transfer window's opening in, you know, sooner than we think. I I, don't, I really don't know. But with Anthony Gordon, to me, it's the old adage, is If you're good enough, you're old enough. And Anthony Gordon, they see the ball once, two, Woby four times. But I tell you what, Anthony Gordon would make more of it then Iwobi will. Anthony Gordon looks like the one. He, he looks like the season pro. Iwobi just looks like a rabbit caught in the headlights. He looks terrified. And I have to say, I don't really know what he wanted from him, but from a little bit, you know, League Cup aside, a little spell against Brighton where I kind of thought we were in control from that game from the get-go. Iwobi really is just completely flattered to deceive to me. He's he just not all he's done seemingly is just upset Everton Twitter, which, let's be honest, no one really wants to do, do they? Because it can be a very toxic place.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm not a Wubie's biggest fan personally, but you know he's he's part of the team, so we're gonna have to put it with him at least till uh, January. More than likely gonna be the summer. So, um, I mean, let's try. Let's put things into perspective a little bit, and I do want to try and be positive. I don't want to all be ne- be negative, but I, I am gonna say to start off with Matthew that we were garbage um, on Sunday, and um, you can definitely make a case that Angelotti got his team selection wrong. Yep. Um, but we did, I think Rob's kind of mentioned it anyway, he said five. I, I I probably think more four. We've had four key influential players missing from the starting lineup. up um, Obviously, James, who has literally transformed the team since his arrival. Mm-hmm. Richarlison, who's arguably our best player um, for a multitude of reasons. We we know that. Dean, solid in defence and offer, offers a lot uh, in attacking options going forward. And very similar to Seamus Coleman, who probably offers similar to Dean, but also as John mentioned as well, uh, a little bit of leadership. So, you know, take those four players out of the team and we are obviously gonna struggle, aren't we?
0: Yeah. Oh absolutely. I mean if you know you, you take the four best players out of any team, then you know the the drop off of of what's going to be coming in to replace them is is going to be, you know, not to the level that, that you're taking out. And we we can see that sadly we're we're still suffering the repercussions of, of failed transfer windows gone by. So, you know, R- Richarlison is 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 an absolute game changer for us. He he sets the tone in attacking. He comes back and defends. He as John says, he covers so much ground. He, he he's such a quick player, and 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 the tempo of our attack is is pretty much set by him, and then. You know, with with somebody like and ha- uh, who's so clever. And you know, you, you think about it in the dressing room, you, you you're a group of players and, and you got James Rodriguez there. And you you look at him and you think, right, if he's playing, we got a chance today. You know, he he's he's the five percent, he's the ten percent who's gonna be the difference in you know, if if, if he play if he's fully fit against Southampton, I I think you know the the outcome of the game might be a little bit different. I think if he was fit and played yesterday, I think we we probably would have would have got a draw and it, draw at worse. But when you take into account Luca Dean then and Seamus Coleman, and, you know, apart from the fullbacks yesterday, every, every one of those players on the pitch and everybody who came on are full-seasoned international players, and we still can't get a performance without our four best players.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to use um, other teams as an example, and least of all Liverpool. But you know, take. Liverpool, for an example, and if you took Salah, Mane, Arnold and Robertson out of that Liverpool team, you know, that that team's just not the same. I don't care what anyone says. So virtually the left the whole left hand side and the whole right hand side of Everton's team has been, you know, demolished in the past two games, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, the you know the the main the main attacking points are all gone, and that's that's where we've struggled. You know, last week against Southampton it was a half 5th Hammers, and yes, yesterday it was no one. There was no one there out. There, I mean, apart from Carvat Lewin, Carvat Lewin, someone who just who's been starved the service because of that. Um, you know, I think you know we've got United on on Saturday, and I think I think Hammers should be back for that. And I think hopefully if if Coleman can be back for that as well, and Dean, you know, we're probably looking we'll probably look a completely different side again. You know, it, it goes it's not just Liverpool it's it, or Everton, it's every team you take the four best players you take Newcastle's four best players out the team, we probably roll them over to, with ease yesterday. Just it just wasn't to be. They were full strength and we weren't. Um and it it, it is what it is. And I I think that's kind of the reason why it's no time to panic here. I know it's two defeats on the bounce, but it's not something I'm not I'm not overly concerned with at the minute. Um you know, we're still where we should be fair now. Third in the league,
0: still
3: yeah, third, yeah. Um, you know, You'd take would...
2: third now, wouldn't you? The end of the season, I, exactly. Yeah, no, void it now, can't. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, I, you know, I'd take. You, you know, we can go top again by lunchtime on Saturday. You know, if we beat United. You know, so it's not all him and going. We got it wrong at the weekend. I'm sure he'll be looking to rectify those mistakes on um, on Saturday.
2: Absolutely, and John. I mean, personally, I know there's been a lot of. Um, a lot, a lot said since Everton, you know, had this fantastic start and you know ended up being top of the league and and stuff like that. But um, you know, me personally, that regardless of what I've said on Twitter, about us winning the league, you know, that's all you know, bit, bit of a tongue in cheek. But I've never really been under any illusions um, that this team is the finished article, and, and I don't know about what you, what you think and what uh, Matthew and Rob thinks. But do you think some people have obviously jumped the gun slightly because the likes of Sigurdsson, Delft, Awobi? do you know, they have one or two good games, and does that mean they suddenly become good enough to to stick around and stay in that team and be the be like the the forefront of Everton's midfield and attack? And for me, it's not for me that that's not being the being the case whatsoever. We we already know we've already named four of those players that were missing. They they're the players that are gonna transform and propel Everton onto something different. It's not going to be the likes of Sigurdsson, Delph, or where you wouldn't have thought so anyway.
1: No, I totally agree with you, dude. I mean, I don't, I think 99.9% of Everton fans, we've had a laugh. I know certain fan bases don't quite get our humour, but a lot of us have actually thought we're going to win the league. It's been a good bit of banter, you know, spirit of the blues goes to number one. It, it, you know what? It's been, a, it's been nice. But I, as you say, I, I do think there's a tendency with certain football fans, particularly when you get a homegrown player, they have two good games to the next Paul Gascoigne. But I, I think I think we're a pragmatic enough fan base to think I, I've thought Dilfie Sergenson's finished for a while. I never really got dealt with what he brings. You know, Awobi, I think wrong wrong by wrong time, wrong team. I really do. I just don't think he's so you know what 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 was the general consensus when Carlo had his first transfer window, his first proper in the summer, what did we say? Two, three. Possibly for transferring us to get this right. What he's done, he, he's made our biggest weakness on our greatest strength, but we still had lots of other weaknesses. Dr. drown you go back to, to moyes Ken, just to kind of allude to that point. Was it right to send him out alone? Absolutely. The lad was sulking, he was doing not. Now we've potentially got a player who comes back with confidence or we can get a lot of money for. But then again, much like with Pickford, if every, everywhere else wasn't in disarray, Would Everton have really gone all out to get a centre-forward? Yes, they would. But the problem was Ancelotti being a pragmatist, being a world-class manager with lots of experience, just thought, right, do you know what? As much as the goalkeeping situation is a worry, the midfield is absolutely dire. And that's what it is. And you know what? Are Everton better than what they were? Without doubt. Are they finished article? Absolutely not. And And I think that this has kind of put things into perspective. It's a bitter pill to swallow. And You do you are getting a lot of the oh, eh, oh back to the old Everton game. But as you say, you, you think about it, we had three out of the four of the main back four, in my opinion, missing Holgate's back, he plays the two fullbacks return they play, Hammers, Richardson. That that's five players. All could arguably well, no, not arguably, they will be in. And I think when you look at that, and you know, a, a hopefully a decent January, another good summer. Everton again move on that step further and we kind of get closer to back to where we want to be. I mean, this could all be, by the way, as Rob said, come lunchtime, we could have battered United and be back at the top of the league. Spirits of the Blues are playing again and we're going to win the whole thing. But as I think with this, it's the case of not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Two bad games, OK? But you know what? I'll still take third in the table to what we were doing last year. What was it? Seven points, lads, from seven 15. games last year?
0: Something
1: you like know, that, yeah. yeah. Did this, it did, at this point last was, year, we were 15th. Yeah. yeah, you know, and you look at now, first game of the season, uh, we beat Spurs. Okay, everyone beat Spurs. Well, that's clearly not the case, is it? You know, Spurs have gone on to be quite a decent team. They're now second. We went and nullified them, stopped them scoring. That's pretty decent. Would we have done that last year? We'd have been mauled. So, you know what? I'm not happy with the last two games, but I'll certainly take where we are. I'll certainly take where Carlo's leading us.
2: And I'll be following you. <laughs> um, all right, let's finish off the podcast and quickly. Um, talk about United. We won't preview it too much, but um, United are the next game. Um, and they're not having the best of times at the moment, are they? So, um, Fly we don't, we, 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 go on, what was that? Sorry, Fly in Europe, aren't they? doing well in Europe? Not doing well. Um, so well, at, well, you can't even really call it a home a home game, can you? But um, it's going to be difficult to know, isn't it? What um, what team and what what squad or what first eleven we're going to put out? We know we know Dean will be back because uh, he only was going to as long as he fits, he, he'll definitely be back. But Richarlas is still out, isn't he? Um, and Coleman and yeah. Yamas um, are obviously they're going to be doubtful. We don't know. They might they might make a return. Um, but I mean, Rob, got, going into that game now, then um, just say for instance, let's just assume that um James and Coleman are out. Um what what does Carlo do because he can't do the same as he did against Newcastle?
3: No, I think you'll see I think you'll see one of Bernard or will be definitely start. Um I think in an ideal world we'd all want to see Anthony Gordon, but I, I, I just don't think he'll do that. You know, we've been crying out for Anthony Gordon all all season to start games, and he just doesn't seemed to have been bothered doing it really. Um, but he's got to go more attack, and he can't he can't have the team. He can't have a team like that, like he had last yesterday, starting against United. To be honest with you, you know, with, with United, we sh- should really go for it. We could really, I think we could probably put the final nail in the coffin for Solskjaer, To be honest with you, um, and really give them a hammering. Um, I think with Luca Dean in the in the team, I think it's I think we're a different kettle of fish. Um, we've got some creativity there at least um, within being back on the side. But I, he certainly can't play Gomez and Sigurdsson again. That just was an experiment which just failed miserably. I'd be put personally. I'd be going maybe the usual formation with um, with Bernardo Gordon on either flank. That'd be my that'd be my decision.
2: I mean, Matthew, we've just we've just got to do the complete opposite to what we did um, at Newcastle. I mean, we know um, how United like to play when the the you know how the they are good at you know counter attack. They got they got runners, they have got pace, um, power. Um, but we just need to get balls into the box. And I'm not saying we just need to lump it forward, but certainly you know crosses uh, into the final third that Dominic Cartland Lewin can either get on the end of or you know. Win a ball, win the balls, and someone would then go on to win that second ball.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think echo everything that Rob said, but what what we do need is we need legs in the team. We we can't have the snail pace of of, of what we had against Newcastle because United are full of runners, and you know we're, we're going to need an out ball. We're going to need to have quick transitions, and you know we United. Uh, you know they're, they're playing in Turkey on Wednesday, so they're going to have a day and a half, two days to recover, and we're the early game on Saturday. And you know, as, as I think Solskjaer is 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 at risk, so they they're, they're going to have to come and, and, and attack us. Which means that if we've got quick, fast players, then we, we we do have the opportunity to to hit them on the break. And I think that if we go one up, I think their heads will drop. I think they'll think we've had a long week. This is our third game this week. You know, even, even though they've they've got you know quite a big pool of, of players to play from, but they they haven't got a set aside. It changes every game and. I, I think that if, if they have a hard game on Wednesday and we hit them early on Saturday, then, then I, I think, as Rob says, we, we can do a number on them. But he has to play the right players. And we do have to have quick, fast players who are able to set the tempo early. And playing Gomez next to Sigurdsson is... You know, We've we, we got no way in the world are we going to match up to United's midfield with those two. that Sat next
1: to each other, not a chance.
2: How do you see it, John? Do you, do you see it as a positive result for Everton?
1: Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think we've got to see it as a positive result for Everton. But i, I what you know, Matthew and, and Rob said, we have we have to play the right side. You know, Gomez and Sigurdsson was an experiment that has been said failed. It it died. One thing I don't know what I don't know what everyone's feeling on this just quickly, but. I, I think Coleman, I pray he's back in the side because, do you know what, I don't want to do John... I think John Joe Kenny's an honest player, but I don't know. John Joe Kenny seems to be a Tony bit right-back in a Trent Alexander-Arnold world. I think when the lad goes forward, he doesn't really know what it, it, it is. It's kind of his ethos and his mentality to hit it back. And I think if, even if Dean is back, United will get on to the fact that it's going to go down the left. So I think, you know what, of course... You know, in an ideal world, you want obviously, if Charleston can't play, you want at least, you know, three or four back, you know, at least. But I think Coleman's vital because I think the balance he will give the side, because you know what, it is about fullbacks these days Go, man, Coleman's had a renaissance about getting forward. And I just don't think, I don't think Godfrey's a right back. And I just don't think Kenny's is progressive enough in this day and age to actually do what. Everton as a team needs and that's get balls into the box for let's be honest probably the best heads of the ball in the league at the moment I think Coleman is really really vital
2: Absolutely I am I'm reluctant to ask all three years for predictions just purely for the fact that it is very early in the week and you know we don't know what the team's going to be so unless you're feeling confident (laughs) uh, you don't don't have to give a a prediction because I'm I'm not going to give one so it's up to you guys
3: I I just think, I'm not going to predict it, but I just think United at the minute remind me of what Arsenal have been like the last few years. If you get at them early and you start kicking lumps out of them and you give them, you let them know you're there early doors, you'll batter them. And that's that's what, and I think that's what Everton needs to do on Saturday to have a good chance of winning regardless of who's playing. This is a team whose confidence will be shot after yesterday and they've got a tough away game in the Champions League as well. So get at them and we'll be fine.
2: Okay. Um, Well, lads, thank you for coming on the podcast. Hopefully, um, it'll be a much more positive result come Saturday uh, afternoon. Um, But yeah, this has been the View from the Garda Street podcast. Rob, thank you for coming on. No worries, mate. John, thank you for coming on. Much appreciated. Good to see you. And uh, Matthew, yeah, yeah. Just, to, just to acknowledge, John did give me a wave there because we are doing this over Skype. <laughs> and uh, Matthew, thank you for coming on. Much appreciated, mate. It's, uh, thank been you, nice guys, to very see much. You. Cheers. No problem. All right, well, you've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street fan podcast on the Royal Blue Channel.
1: You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.